Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. joining us for another episode of the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. Alex Argudin has been involved in parking in the city of Miami for 17 years. Since March 2020, she served as the CEO of the Miami Parking Authority. Her view of the parking and mobility industries is even broader as the chair-elect of the International Parking and Mobility Institute. On this month's episode of the podcast, she discusses some of the changes that have impacted the parking industry since COVID, how curb management priorities have changed, and how equity and sustainability figure into parking decisions. Alex, welcome to ITE Talks Transportation. Thank you so much for having me. For people who aren't familiar with the city of Miami, why don't we start off with you giving us a little bit of a description of what the parking situation is like in Miami and what your agency does, please. I would love to do that. How much time do we have to talk about? <laughs> so Miami is a very diverse city. It's a city that has grown immensely. It's become very dense. I think the pandemic also um, sprung us forward into having uh, an, an immense amount of people coming down, especially from the north. And um, there's a lot of construction being built and, and you know, here in, in downtown Miami. And so traffic has become very challenging. Um, as you know, throughout the country, we've also experienced a shortage of drivers for transportation, bus drivers, uh, metro rail, metro movers, and which are our only ways of getting around here because, you know, we don't have like a, a underground train. We don't have that type of transportation. So parking is, is a challenge, um, nothing that can't be overcome. But, you know, in a little bit, we'll get more into the shared use of parking and how we can all work together in that space to not build more, but to use it more efficiently and effectively. Uh, we have an enormous amount of opportunity, us as the parking professionals here in the city, to provide good, convenient, and efficient parking for the public. Well, you talked a little bit about this when you talked about the pandemic and such, but in terms of trends, what are some of the biggest trends that you're seeing as far as urban parking goes in areas like Miami or even around the country? I'm sure you keep track of what's happening outside of Miami. Oh, I do. I do. Luckily for me, I um, I get to sit on the board of the International Mobility and Parking Institute. Um, I'm actually the chair elect and it allows me to open the doors for me to see what other cities are doing. Um, we want to always be at the top of leading uh, the industry, but there's no reason to repeat what somebody else has done, right? And 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 repeat a mistake that someone's made, uh, but learn from those. And and I think we have a pretty good industry. We're a pretty good parking family that learns from each other. What you're seeing a lot of, and I think it was started by the pandemic, the curb space has become more crunched in that there is so much uh, competition for that space, right? Uh, where you have the pickup and delivery of food that became really prevalent during the COVID uh, time. And that that changed the way we even operated. 
you have, you know, the Amazon packages, the parcel deliveries, and then you have your big ones, you know, the UPSs and the FedExs, um, and then the mom and pops that have to come and do work somewhere and they need to be in a loading zone. So that competition for the loading zones has become very uh, important for us to really manage. So those are the things that really during this time, I think COVID changed. The restaurants have not gone away from that, where some of the restaurants, 70% of the, the use of the restaurant right now is for pickup and delivery. That's how they make their money. Before, you used to go to the restaurant, sit at a table. So we had to start changing some of the parking spaces into pickup and delivery spaces, which, by the way, takes away inventory from the public as well. So how do you make that work? Bicycle lanes have become very prevalent. That didn't always exist in Miami. I know other cities, it's very good in other cities where a lot of people ride bikes. Yeah, we have great weather, but we also have great storms, rainstorms, and people don't want to be in the 100 degree weather riding a bicycle. So, you know, there is a big pull and push for bike lanes because they do take away parking, right? Sometimes for the most part, unless you have protected bike lanes, but that's another, you know, we also have those here. And so how do we manage all of that? We have to really promote parking and the cost of parking, Bernie. I think what happens is that people always want to park in front of where they're going mm -hmm. and not necessarily park inside a garage and walk three blocks. So I'll tell you what became very challenging during that time is how do we pacify everybody? How do we make this work? And we, we did experiment with a couple of things, a couple of, of micromobility uses uh, during that time to see if when all the traffic came back, we could still have that in place. So we did that and you're seeing that in a lot of urban areas where a lot of the spaces also became eating spaces, eating spots for restaurants that couldn't have more than a certain amount of people inside. So a lot of those spaces got converted. Um, and us as public entities have to keep the prices down inside our facilities to hopefully get your neighbor who has also a private parking facility to keep their rates down to get the people off the street. So we can provide more of these good living options for the community. You touched on this a little bit with restaurants. Pickup and delivery is a big part of what their business model now includes. And you also talked a little bit about how during the pandemic, restaurants had to open up outdoor space. And in many cases, I know that took away parking spaces. Is that still the case in Miami where there's outdoor dining that in the roadway, so to speak? It is, but not to the extent that it was during the pandemic. So we did that for almost about two years and we gave them the spaces. Now there's a cost for being on the space and there is a cost for maintaining that space because of the liability of being on a parking space on a drive, in a drive, you know, almost next to a drive lane. So when that cost became, I don't think it's prohibitive, but they didn't want to go through that liability, the insurance. So some of them shied away from it. And some of them said, we'll do it because you're just giving me more seats for, mm -hmm. for you know, for the use of the restaurant. Um, but not as many as were before. I know there's other cities that are thriving with that program. But I can't say that we are. I can't say that we have a plethora of restaurants that are still taking that space on the street. You know, one of the things that happens here in Miami is that we also have our parking garages, the parking authorities' garages are mostly concentrated in the in the central business district. But there are thriving communities outside of that that don't have a parking facility. So what happens is that every little space matters. Every space counts. 
Mm-hmm. So it's again it's striking that balance. And so, you know, once I, once we did away with some of those spaces, nobody really complained about it. You know, people are like, Yeah, come back into your garages, give us a space, we need it. But I can't say it's as, as much as it was during the pandemic, no. In just a moment, Alex will discuss how Miami deals with competing needs for roadway space. Do you want to reach more than seventeen thousand transportation professionals? Podcasts like this one are a great way to reach a dedicated audience of listeners. Sponsoring an ITE Talks Transportation podcast is a cost-effective way to gain exposure and build brand awareness. ITE offers podcasts on key issues like safety, connected and automated vehicles, and transportation management systems and operations, ensuring your message is heard by the right people. For more information, contact Darlene King at dking at thewymancompany.com. That's dking at thewymancompany.com. And you touched on this already as well, but I'd like to delve into it a little bit deeper about obviously competing needs for roadway space. As we make more space available for pedestrians or for bicyclists, that potentially takes away space for parking. How do you balance all those different needs? And tell us some of the steps that you've taken to ensure parking needs are met both safely and efficiently. So that's a great question. Funny, I always remember this one gentleman that I met. It was also during the pandemic. So he came in, they opened, you know, he spent a couple of months permitting and opening this sneaker store. And, you know, I, throughout the country, you know, sneakers are very popular among, especially <laughs> about the young folks and me that I always want to be young. So I love to get like some cool sneakers. And I'll never forget the day he opened. He opened on like a Monday, on a Tuesday, a bike lane was put right in front of his store where all his parking was the loading zone was there, the parking was there. And so he calls me and he says, what just happened? And I said, I, I don't know, because we, what the county had put in the bike lane and that's something that had been programmed. And so we had to go ahead and we, you know, really close to his store, we converted some of the parking spaces for loading because what are those people going to do? They, they need to load and unload. They have sneakers. They have, it's, we have a big jewelry district here. So they have jewelry district. You have, so all of a sudden, we, you know, it's funny because knowing that I, w- I was going to speak to you today, one of the things that, that came up that I myself haven't done in years that I've been working here is talking to the private sector. Do I think that there's enough parking in, in the CBD in here, especially in the downtown? Yes, I do think that there's enough parking. However, it's not shared, right? Mm-hmm. And so everybody works in their own little silos. And for this to work, we need to we need to work together and so how do we manage the expectation of the people who need the parking when all the space is being taken well one way is as a public entity we keep the prices low so hopefully our competing neighbors can keep their prices low and legislatively we're working on legislation right now to have peak pricing happen on the street so in peak hours the prices go up and it forces people to come into the garages where the prices are lower which is typically it's a way it's supposed to work but it's never really worked like that here and there's a lot of cities that work just like us our 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 pricing and facilities are sometimes higher than they are on the street and they shouldn't be they should be lower to drive people in and so you know i was thinking about this question and i thought it's time to circle back because it, this is becoming very dense. A lot of people are building with less parking and we have to be able to 
provide parking for people. A long time ago, uh, probably two or three years ago, the big talk was we're going to have a reduction of vehicles and we are no longer going to need parking and we have to build our parking garages in a way that we are um, going to re you know, re re reposition what, what's there. And I have to tell you, Bernie, we have so much parking, so many cars coming in. And I think part of that is the way that things have changed due to the pandemic, right? And due to the sometimes lack of transportation options or people who are just scared of getting with a lot of people into a, a enclosed base. So it's been challenging to find a way for us to really um, accommodate um, everyone, especially because I don't have all the inventory that exists in downtown, right? So I have to find a way to do promotions and do videos Instagram, um, it's funny, social media has become a big deal for us, which we were never great at. Um, and we, luckily we have a great firm that works with us in doing videos as to, hey, here's where you park. This is what we charge. Every time you're coming to downtown, park here, take this option. And education is a big part of our success right now in our parking facilities. Pre-pandemic, a lot of cities, they had many people who came into the CBD for their work day. Many of those people had parking needs. The pandemic has changed the work world where a lot of offices are doing remote or at least hybrid. How has that affected the parking situation in Miami? Oh, that that's the big that's the big one here. It, it, it has affected it immensely because that is exactly the shared use that we've always wanted, right? The office comes in at eight and they leave by five. The people who live here come in at five, six o'clock, and then they leave by eight. It's perfect. It's a perfect shared use. Mm -hmm. However, that pandemic forced most of the people who live in these high rises either work outside of their homes um, and they used to come and go. And so we used to see the flow out and then the flow back in of cars for in the morning for work. And now everybody's here. So when you are counting on that space, we have to take a, a halt on taking more monthlies for office space, uh, office users, uh, commercial, uh, because we're like, okay, well, the, 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 the residents are here too. So we can't compete with the residents. They're staying here. They're not moving their vehicles. That was interesting. The people who were staying inside needed a place, how to get to the next place that they were going to. So we started working on a circulator so that people could hopefully take mass transit, get on this circulator, which we call freebie. It's like a, a very glorified, uh, golf cart electric golf cart, right? And it seats six people very comfortably and it takes you for like your last mile use. And we started promoting that because we wanted people to start using mass transit again and then us to provide that so that we could help in the reduction of traffic when traffic started up again. And, and you know, and I'm sure you've read, <laughs> Miami really wasn't closed for too long, right? Uh, Florida <laughs> wasn't closed for too long. It's like it never happened here, right? And we felt that. We felt that real quick. And in this garage, for example, I had 800 spaces for years. We've had 800 spaces here, 841 spaces that have never filled to the top. After the pandemic and like during the pandemic and just right after, we, we were almost at capacity here. Think about that. Wow. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. um, and I think in part is that the city has also allowed for a lot of the development in the area to build. If you're building a residential, you don't have to go with parking. Mm -hmm. So people who are coming in and moving in here are just looking for us. We, we, we have very good competitive rates to park in our, our in our garages, but people are here to stay. 
So we are where we before we weren't careful as to how many spaces we would sell. Now we have to be very careful on what we're selling. How has technology? I'm I'm not sure how many years you've spent in the parking industry, but I'm sure it's it's been more than a few in terms of the experience and how things have changed. How has technology changed and affected the parking industry? So yeah, I, I I've been here longer than I care to admit. <laughs> No, 17 years for me is a long time. Um, and it's funny, I just had, a, I just taught a, a class, uh, an entrepreneurship class to my son's uh, high school um, entrepreneurship class. They've always asked me, hey, why don't you come speak to these students? And I'm like, about what? What do you want me to tell them that I do? I park cars for a living. That's what I do. <laughs> um, but, you know, in thinking about it uh, and seeing the transition from when I started to where I'm at now, it's incredible what's happened in 17 years, right? And we went from paying a single space meter and, and moving that dial and getting that quarter in there to then allowing for dimes and nickels and quarters. And then we, we went through these machines that you can make multiple payments because you can use a credit card. And then from there, we're at a point right now, we have about 100 machines out in the street only. We, we had close to 1,000 at some point forget about the single space we, we went away from single space many many years ago by the way there's many cities that still have them and 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 i get and i understand why they have them we just leaked into a, a different time um and and for many reasons uh, we did that and we started offering pay by phone which was an app at the time it was a 1-800 number it wasn't even an application it was oh, a 1-800 number and you could pay with a credit card it was fantastic and everybody bought into that technology and then the app came into play. And then now who doesn't have an app, a phone filled with apps, you know, that everybody uses to, to live. And mm -hmm. so it's crazy how we have come here, the convenience of using that technology. Technology has, I believe in the, in the past three years. So when I took over as CEO, which was a week before we closed down for the pandemic to where we are now, the technology that we are rolling out and we're piloting a lot of things. I, I, I think that there was a lot of sad stories, right? During the pandemic and, and not great times during the pandemic. But for us, there was also some time downtime that allowed us to explore technologies that we could potentially roll out when everything came back into play and we were at 100% that could help, you know, transit, traffic, customers have a better experience for parking. And so not only did the application for payment of parking revolutionize the way we do business in many aspects, but the technology that we're using, camera guidance systems that are helping people not circle, but it guides them. Hey, the, the space is not available. Although you, anybody who knows Disney World and they, that they have like this perfect guidance system that you go and the green light is park here, red, not, not available. You don't see that so much on street. Mm -hmm. And we are piloting a um, technology that will allow you as you drive through the street to know whether there's parking available down that street or not. And if not, it guides you to a parking facility or to a space that's available or directly to a parking facility. So you don't have to circle anymore. You go into your facility and you park. That's revolutionary, right? Like you, we never had that. We would just circle. And besides that, we have a, a, a camera system that we're doing with the smart plan that we did with the county to better understand what's happening at the curb. Because unless I have an enforcement officer that's there 24 hours a day watching people park that are not supposed to park there and giving them a, a citation, camera intelligence feeds us a lot of information so that we can build policy around that curb to better manage that curb. 
So all of this technology is what has been very different in the past probably three years for me that I've experienced. Um, and we're all rolling it out and then we have to take a halt because we have really good ideas and great technology, but sometimes the legislation doesn't accompany the ability for you to be able to move stuff out. So we are working on that. And there's other cities that are waiting to see, you know, how it pans out for us. Like I said, a lot of people look at us. We're the only parking authority in the state of Florida. Um, it, gives us a, it gives us a little bit of autonomy to be able to do a lot of things and explore a lot of things that some smaller cities may not be able to do. So I always want to get it right so I can give them our expertise and what went well and what didn't go well so that they could be successful as well. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in our space that keeps us very exciting. Something else that's changed over the 17 years that you've been in the parking industry, Alex, is talking about sustainability and equity. What are some of the challenges with creating more equitable and sustainable parking options in a city that's as densely populated as Miami is? And how are you implementing some of those solutions for those in those areas? Especially during during the pandemic, we learned a lot about, hey, there's some people who really do take fast transit. They have no other way to get to work. You know, we, we need to help these people out. And so part of us rolling out the freebie program was that it was a free micromobility option. It really has a, a large area, covers a large area for people to get around for free. They either call it through an app or they can hail it while they're on the, on the street and they'll take them to wherever they have to go. We did that in, in downtown and the ridership grew exponentially. And then we also did that in, in, in Coconut Grove um, as well. There was a program that we had and, and I'm sad that they're gone because I thought they were great. It was Revel uh, Mopeds. And I don't know if you know that company, but they were a moped company that came, they changed a little bit of their business model, which is why they're no longer in Miami. But during that time, it was very important for like the nurses and the new doctors and the students to get to the hospitals, right? Everybody was in, in dire need of having them work. And in talking to them, we worked together in partnership with Rebel to provide free transportation for them. And it was a very successful program. And these are the type of programs that we need to have more and more of so that we can provide an equitable opportunity for those that are in areas where they may not have a ride to get to work. You know, they don't, they can't get there. They can't get here without our help. Um, this is something that us and, the, and uh, the county really, really is working on having those trolleys, the bus services, really go into those neighborhoods to provide those opportunities. I don't deal too much in the transportation world, but I am working alongside them to be able to provide, even if it's a little bit, so even if it's the freebie program that we have now, we, we took it on and we paid for it and we gladly do so, so that at least we could put in wh whatever it is that we can to help the communities thrive and get them to get to work. You don't realize the challenges that some people go through when there's nothing around them to get them to where they need to be. And so I, I think that we need to continue to work on that. It's something that industry-wide, by the way, it's uh, it, we even have a committee that deals with that industry wide. And so we want to make sure that in every city, there's always a representative. Um, and that's something that came to fruition about probably about two or three years ago, where we started talking about the things that are impacting our cities as it relates to providing more equity. And so we are excited to have a very thriving committee to talk about these 
these efforts and how we can as cities improve that. And even if we're not in the transportation business as parking people, we see it. We see what the what the challenges are. And you know, it's good to educate you know those that are in power to provide these services. We've been talking on this episode of ITE Talks Transportation with Alex Argiden. She is the Chief Executive Officer of the Miami Parking Authority. Alex, thanks so much for being my guest on ITE Talks Transportation. Thank you so much, Brittany, for having me.